DMs Discuss, where today, DMs will discuss Session Zero. I'm Mike. I'm Chris. I'm Scott. And today we're going to be talking about uh, the session that comes before your adventure. Uh, we're going to talk about establishing boundaries, party composition and character creation, backstory, uh, adventure hooks, player introduction, character introduction, and other things that you like to do in the Session Zero that leads into the campaign that helps uh, kind of shape where everything's going to go. So uh, let's kick this off with uh, a little note here in, in my session notes, but uh, I'm on my phone practically 24/7. Like you can't separate from, can't separate me from it. Um, so maybe let's let's talk about like table etiquette, like phones at the table, texting at the table. Yes, no. How do you guys feel about it? I think it's fine within reason. You know, I think you have every right to call it out if it starts getting to be too much. Yeah, as long as players aren't missing their turn and as long as everybody seems engaged. Uh, if, like, you're constantly having to, like, tap somebody on the shoulder when it's their turn and then they take 10 minutes to do what they're going to do, then that becomes a problem for sure. And it breaks the immersion. It breaks the kind of flow of the game. That, that, that can be a problem. But I think within reason, phones aren't a problem. Plus, they're, like, a super handy tool for, like, looking shit up all the time. Yeah, I was about to say in a lot of the games, players just have their character sheets on their phone. So... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's hard to police if they're looking up their spell lists or if they're talking to their girlfriend, right? For sure, I feel the same, and I think that's part of like that. That should be something that does come up in session zero. You know, if you're one of those DMs who, uh, you know, you prefer people play on paper or something like that, and you don't quite like the mobile phones or you you find them distracting, like session zero is a good place to establish some of these boundaries. Like, I I personally don't mind it because when I play, I mean, most of my stuff is on my phone, anyways. Uh, D&D Beyond, etc. Yeah, so I, I have like, three monitors for a reason, right? Yeah, I feel like that's something that can, like, that's one of the boundaries when we talk about establishing boundaries in session zero is like table etiquette, right? Like phones, texting. Um, you know, what else kind of falls under that? I think for table etiquette, a lot of it is making sure that players know that everybody needs to get a turn. So when there's stuff that's happening outside turn order, you need to kind of like read the table, read the room, and make sure that everybody is engaged. And that's like partially the DM's responsibility, but is also partially on players to make sure that they're not like dominating the outside of combat time, right? Yeah, and I, I think that can be hard. Like especially for me, I tend to tend to ramble a bit, um, and I get a little bit anxious sometimes. So if there's quiet, I tend to try and fill that silence. But I've I've literally had a DM had an enemy cast silence on me as a joke because he's like you know. But as a DM, I think that's kind of stuff you can do in establishing boundaries at at the table or talking about it beforehand is like you know things like paying attention and being ready for your turn things like that how do you guys feel about like swearing drug use um at the table uh you know i personally have no issue with swearing and i mean you know drug use i feel there's definitely a line i'm going to draw somewhere with that yeah, I think it also depends on the party members. Like, if they're like, I think that is again something you you establish and you talk about during session zero. If you have people that are dealing with addiction problems that are or that have like a history of addiction that don't want to deal with that in their fantasy world that you're creating for them, then I mean that's a topic you would stray away from. Yeah, I think I think there's uh you know there's when you're talking when you're having a session zero and uh, talking about some of these topics like there's things that are 
in-game topics that might be sensitive for people and there's like out of game topics too or out of game kind of behavior right like i personally don't mind um you know if someone comes to the table and they've had a few drinks or if they've you know smoked the joint or something like that like for me as long as they're able to pay attention and contribute i, I don't really doesn't really bother me yeah i'm the same way yeah for sure uh i think as long as everybody's on the same page about those things and you establish that then yeah uh, i i have no problem personally with people coming to the table and having a couple drinks i think it gets uh, more interesting is people lose inhibition when you're playing D&D sometimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, people are more prone. Like, even people that, like, don't normally get into the roleplay, if they've had a couple of drinks at the table, might get a little bit more into it than they normally would. And that can lead to some really fun moments. So Yeah, I agree. And, I mean, like, you know, if, if anyone listening has listened to our first few episodes, like, we, we met playing D&D at bars. So, you know, having a beer or something like that at the table is pretty commonplace. And, you know, I can't say that anyone was ever high out of their mind or like drunk to the point where it like caused an issue in the game generally people are pretty respectful yeah absolutely i think everybody like just needs to know their limit and know when they're still going to be contributing to the game and not just being a detriment and i think that's again just something that can be established like if somebody gets too drunk you just call the session at that point right like if nobody's if they're not able to help anymore uh and you don't want to like split the party and do weird stuff like that it, it could be a good time to end the session if it's long enough into a session that, that it makes sense. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, that like as a DM too, if you're uncomfortable with some of this stuff, that stuff, you know, like there might be some DMs listening that are kind of younger and are not comfortable with swearing or, you know, like extreme violence and things like that. And that's at a session zero, that's kind of some of the things you can bring up, right? Yeah, you know, like it's, if you're running a game, if I'm running a game for my nephew, it's going to be a lot different than if I'm running a game for friends. With my nephew, I might say like, yeah, you did a bunch of damage to it and it's now unconscious on the ground. You're no longer in combat. Whereas with a friend, uh, I might let them describe in intimate detail how they eviscerate the thing they've been fighting for the last 15 rounds. So It's only fair. If I crit a goblin, I get a Mortal Kombat fatality. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, and some people enjoy that. And I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. Like, I'm not, you know... I, I don't think kind of I think like fantasy and fiction and, and reality are two very separate things. And, you know, some people do enjoy kind of that gory or, you know, they, they like describing that, like decapitating some goblin or, um, you know, it's fun for them. And I think that's like, especially if you're playing with a group of strangers, that's stuff that should come up in session zero is just kind of getting a feel for everybody's like sensitivity level in regards to some of these topics. Right. Yeah, I think this really goes into like the kind of stuff that you should go through is like, be it a homebrew campaign or one that uh, a pre-made module that you're using, really going through and trying to like picking out some common things that would be sensitive topics and kind of having those ready. Uh, you could also be able to fear of heights, spiders, uh, certain types of like mental situations they could be in. And, like kind of like running through like, this is what you're going to see. Or is everyone cool with this? Yeah, and there's obviously, like, there's obviously some of the bigger ones, like racism, sexism, um, etc. And that stuff, like, there are parts of D&D lore that do kind of touch on that and might resonate with certain people. Like in D&D, you know, some of the drows are seen as um, either lesser or people, like, fear the drows and things like that. And, you know, they're kind of seen as evil, right? And for some people, that can be kind of a sensitive, like, topic, right? Yeah, for sure. And again, those are just things that you always want to try to explore during session zero. 
there are obviously things where that you might miss when you're talking about that though and that's why there have been these like really cool initiatives set up within the D community stuff like the x card where if you miss it in a session zero you can still have this like go to where if something comes up in game players know they can raise their hand and immediately you know that something's gone too far something's hit a nerve something's touched a topic that you don't want to explore into and you can kind of backtrack and start over from there yeah explore what it was talk to them and figure out where you need to go from there so. yeah and i think for, for people who don't know what the x card is it's, it's basically like a veto on what's happening um so you know let's say you're you're uncomfortable with you know your bard is, is being a typical bard and hitting on on the bartender and you know things get to a point where you're as a person uncomfortable you know there's sometimes i think toronto dnd do they actually have a card you slide into mm -hmm. the table yeah okay and then in some they campaigns do, yeah. we've had players just say x card x card and that just you know that denotes you're uncomfortable with the topic drop it move on and and as a player at that table if someone does x card you know no questions asked drop it move on so as a dm yeah. i think i like that yeah both players and dm need to know that if an x card gets played it's there's no discussion about it unless it's player and dm privately about what set them off and where to backtrack to um there is no like vetoing an x card play if an x card gets used uh you backtrack to where the players are all comfortable and you move forward from there yeah and i think that's and and it doesn't necessarily have to be a backtrack but let's say someone is uh, hitting on the bartender and someone else x card you know that that bard should you know okay well thanks for the drinks and kind of you know drop yeah. it there yeah yeah i mean i think that like the last thing you want at the D table is one of your players running off crying or one of your players being, you know, yeah, just not feeling comfortable or... and enjoying the session to the fullest. Yeah, because, exactly. You know, I play D and D and I run D and D to escape from the shittiness of the actual world. Right. I don't need to experience that again in game. Yeah. And there are, um, you know, there are cases where people do kind of explore some of that in game and, and that's kind of like, you know, a therapy for them. I know for me, you know, there's topics in game that, made me a little bit uncomfortable but exploring them was kind of like fun for me or um like in a way kind of therapeutic or let me kind of address things like personally um but yeah i mean if someone's at the table and they're uncomfortable and they they x card or you know vocalize that they're uncomfortable um at session zero you should kind of talk about this stuff and how people at the table should react to that so yeah another useful thing uh that i found i'm probably gonna be implementing uh, in like future games if I need to use it professionally is uh, there's someone who made a digital RPG consent checklist essentially just has a list of like pretty much any topic that could be sensitive and you can label it as either green yellow or red with green being I'm fine with it yellow being like not so sure about it and red being like absolutely not and Sorry. it's useful because it just covers like pretty much all the bases uh, so if you're yeah. not like sure about stuff you might run into, it might be good just to you know send this out to players. It could be form fillable. They send it back to you, and you're like, cool, not going to talk about this stuff. Yeah, and That's I a think a really good idea. I like that a lot. Yeah, I I like that idea too. And I mean, it, it kind of falls into you know that whole consent space, right? Like people who are signing up for this game are signing up for fun, signing up for like an adventure. They're not really signing up for you know things like sexism, racism. Yeah. Um, the nice thing about the forum too is it doesn't. You don't have to like discuss these things in front of the whole table. It's just good to get this done ahead of time, because you know there's some stuff you might not think about. Like it could be even be just be like physical abuse could be something they don't want to talk about that and say, hey, don't do that. For sure. Yeah. 
No, absolutely. I think that's yeah. a great idea. I, I think with friends, this this is a little easier. Like yes. having a chat about like, you know, and sometimes even in our sessions, like, you know, we've had sessions here, but we haven't had like extreme talks about boundaries or anything like that. Like there's just kind of a consensus that people know. And, you know, X cards have been used at our tables and everyone's been pretty respectful. Yeah. I think the thing is too, it's like, you know, for the most part, a lot of, uh, especially pre-written modules and stuff for make stays away from any like sensitive areas for the most yeah. part. There's like, you know, it's, it's action adventure PG 13 for the most part. There's undeads, there's some scary things, but you know, nothing gets real, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I, absolutely. Yeah. I think if you're using like official published material, there's probably less of that, but you know, if you're going into homebrew and you know, this is a medieval setting. So sometimes like things like, you know, racism, sexism, they do come up in the setting. So just be prepared for that and know, you know, your players sensitivity and your players kind of thoughts on these topics and try to steer away from them. Uh, if anyone is uncomfortable with them. Yeah. I think that that moves on to like the other part of, uh, you know, you've got your content all laid out for them is establish uh, the player, uh, player and player interaction. Uh, you know, like, do you allow people to steal from their party? Do you let them like betray them? Like what level of that stuff are you okay with? Cause you know, I think that it's possible to play an evil character interestingly, but it could also really slow the game down if someone's like, oh, haha, I killed them all in their sleep. For sure. And I think that kind of leads us into like, we've talked about establishing boundaries in terms of table etiquette, in terms of, you know, swearing at the table, sensitive topics, etc. And this is kind of player behavior. But now when we talk about like character behavior or like character behavior within your setting, you know, like you said, what's allowed? Is, is PvP allowed? Is stealing or attacking yeah. another player allowed and i think that comes down to like you know we could talk about party composition character creation and kind of alignment so part of session zero is establishing boundaries but also kind of having this chat about you know party composition character creation mm-hmm. yeah absolutely like there's a lot of dms who won't allow an evil character at the table and i think that um if a character or if a player wants to play an evil character and they can justify why they would be playing an evil character and how that would fit into the campaign and fit into the party and how uh, they all kind of share goals and whatnot, I think that it can actually be really interesting to have an evil player in your campaign. So um, that's one thing that like you can establish is the alignments that you want your players to have or that you allow your players' characters to bring. Mm-hmm. Um, do you guys always have players bring options when they come to a session zero or do they usually come with one character idea that they've like kind of fleshed out? Uh, usually it's been just like one character idea. I'm sure if I had like a big note, chances are some of them would have options. But uh, no, I've never been like presented with like multiple choices, really. I think for me as a player, I've generally brought a few options just because like I have my my main character, and then I'm like, well, if if you know three other people are playing, you know, cleric, clerics, uh, <laughs> I, I might I might have a backup there. Um, but I, I think when it comes to that, like party composition for me. I don't really see D&D as an MMO. You don't need one tank, one healer, two DPS. Like, that's not how I see D&D. You can come with five DPS. As a DM, you know, if, if they have five DPS, give them a healing sidekick or make potions readily available. But in terms of party composition, like, generally the stuff I run for you guys was, was one shot, so I, I didn't really care. So just bring one character. Yeah, I, I'd agree. I'd say that focus it too much on like party composition you can let the players do that but as a dm i don't really mind because you know i'll figure it out and work around if we're going to change some stuff uh because you know combat 
favors like one way or the other. Yeah, no, that's totally fair. As a DM, I don't think you should enforce any sort of like you guys need a healer or you need this or you need that. Let the players play what they want. I think it's more so like telling the players like, hey, come to session zero with a character in mind and maybe a backup just in case someone else has similar character and, and you don't you don't like that, right? Like I know for me if I'm playing a rogue and someone else is playing a rogue, even though they're different subclasses, they tend to feel the same, so I probably wouldn't want to play a rogue in that campaign. Yeah, that's totally fair. And I, that, that's more what I was thinking is not like trying to enforce a party composition, but more not wanting to have players feel like they're being overshadowed by somebody that is like a similar uh archetype or the same class but a little bit different i just want people to know that like their characters are unique and be able to play a unique character so i i I usually try to have people bring a couple of options just in case you end up with a party of five clerics somehow yeah i I feel the same way i i think like if i was running a more long if i was running a longer campaign and i was with new players or um you know I know if I'm with players that I know and are experienced, there's probably a Discord chat and you guys are figuring out what your party composition is. And mm-hmm. You guys are probably not going to come with four sorcerers because you're actually talking. But in a party, if you're putting together a campaign full of new players, um, them having instructing them to like, you know, pick your main class, but maybe have a, a class on the side that if your main class doesn't work out in session zero, you can kind of fall back on or... Yeah, or you can just do what Chris does and tell us to bring multiple characters and have them ready because they are more likely going to die a couple sessions into what's going on. <laughs> then have that threat backfire and have everyone go super Healy tanks. Yeah, so I, I feel like for session zero, your your players should come to session zero with at least an idea of kind of what class they're going to play. And at this point, as a DM, if they haven't rolled up a character sheet on D&D Beyond, you know, this is a good time to kind of help them flesh out their character. If, if you're doing rolled stats like we talked about in the previous episodes, you know, having having people roll in front of you now is, is not a bad idea. Um, getting their stats set up and, uh, you know, some some people might come with, with a backstory too, right? Yeah, absolutely. And backstories I think are important because also when you come with a character idea, it doesn't necessarily have to be tied to a class. Like you could bring a character idea or a character concept to Session Zero find out you already have two bards and end up playing it as like a warlock sorcerer or uh, playing it as something that is a different set of classes than you originally intended, but it's still the same character in essence. And you're still able to play them the way you want to. Um, So I think that's another thing uh, that is super interesting about D&D is that you can really create the same personality in a character without having to tie it to a class or subclass per se. Yeah, I... I totally agree on that. And I think when when you're when you're directing your players to come to session 0, you know, ha- having that class in mind or that backstory in mind and you know, why are they adventuring? Where do they come from? Like what are their character's goals? And I know as a as a first-time player, like you look at my backstory for Aegis and it's a good like three paragraphs. You look at my backstory for Kirna and it's literally like three bullet points. So, uh, <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I, I feel like I'm the same way. I have probably 15 unplayed characters that I've created over time that I've like come up with concepts and uh, thought through very kind of minimal backstories for, and they've all got just like point form, five or six points of why they're a character, what they're doing, what their goals are. Um, but I think if your characters come to a session zero with even that, just a point form, these are my goals, 
you're going to see some overlap there. And as a DM, that's a really useful tool for you to take that overlap and help build the relationship between those characters. And the characters, the players themselves can take those uh, like overlapping ideas that they've had and form those into a relationship between characters. It really helps drive the campaign forward. Yeah, I, I agree. I think like in a one shot, maybe backstory is not as important. It, a lot of that stuff is not going to be integrated into your one or two sessions but in a long-running campaign having having a having your players have a bit of a backstory kind of gives you a bit more you know more wood for your your dm fire you know yeah i, I definitely agree and also there's the idea of uh something that our friend matt is doing his next campaign is having a backstory buddy where essentially you know before this you've given players like a loose adventure hook and you essentially pair them off and say you know come up with a backstory together that you guys have met before this campaign starts just yeah. to add a little bit of extra like flair and history to everything yeah and some people kind of do this i know in in the campaign that that we played in like pungent and the flagons um with mike my first character had no connection to kind of anyone i was just a cleric at the table uh but when aegis kind of you know aegis took a little hiatus from the party in game um i brought lilith in and i talked to mike like hey can Lilith and Greg have known each other? Like maybe they work together in the Underdark and they're old friends. And that kind of gave Lilith an into the party. Like, hey, Greg, how you been? Right? So having, even with strangers, like having them have some sort of connection between their characters can be a cool kind of, it's not just four random people who decided to form a party for no reason. Right? I think that helps a lot with Session Zeros. And that also helps with uh, like a far different topic we'll probably explore at some point. But like adding characters mid campaign or adding new players mid campaign, um, having that kind of backstory buddy or having that tie into the party is huge. Like just wandering through the forest and finding a new person gets old after like the first five or six times. Yeah, for sure. So like being able to have that established backstory and being able to have those characters play off of each other because they have that history is a really cool uh, tool. Yeah, for sure. So. I know as a new DM, you might be looking at character sheets and you're seeing bonds and flaws and, and kind of all these things. Um, and they're not necessary, but as a new player, you know, sometimes in the, in the guides too, there, there are tables you can roll on, like roll a D10 and you pick a flaw based on your roll. And that can be fun for, for new players or just having them think about one and pick one. Like your flaw could be that, uh, you don't like your hair being messy, and and that could play into your character. I don't necessarily think they're required, but they can be fun for a new player to kind of come up with and help with the RP and things. Yeah, absolutely. It helps new players RP, I think. But it also, like like you said before, as a DM, it really helps. Like uh, in our Wednesday game, having uh, one of the players come to me at the beginning with this idea that they were a divination wizard that had belonged to this order and they had traveled back or they were like uh exploring the origins of that order in a new place gave me a lot of stuff to play with in terms of like dropping hints and uh adding that imagery to a world where it didn't exist before to really kind of help tie party members and and cool moments together so you can really glean a lot of stuff to add, even if you're not doing a homebrew world, even if it is something that is a pre-written campaign, you can add a lot of uh, like nuance to things by 
exploring your character's backstories and taking little bits from it and making them kind of main story points of something they wouldn't otherwise be a part of. Yeah, for sure. And we'll probably get a little bit more into that in next sessions where we talk about things like, you know, preparing quests and, and kind of, you know, player uh, player quests and, and quests that tie directly into uh, your players' backstories. But when we talk about session zero, like, what would be the minimum you would require players to bring? I would say um, a solid idea of a character with, like, a backup. So, you know, if not a pre a fully made character, just be like, yeah, you know, I'm going to play, like, uh, a human fighter, probably called Dave. And, you know, it's very least that and kind of have, you know, a loose idea of what they want to go to, backstory, stuff like that. It doesn't have to be fully fleshed out, but at least a core character concept. Yeah, I think by the end of Session Zero, you come up with what your character is actually going to be. But coming into a Session Zero, exactly that. Like, just a... I'm a like I'm a human, I'm a fighter, and yeah, my name's Dave, and I'm here because I want gold, and I come from a poor background. I think, uh, you know, part of Session Zero as a DM, too, and, and you can do this before Session Zero, but you can also represent it at Session Zero, is, is kind of your adventure hook. Gi- giving giving your players an idea of like where these characters will be like you know you're being dropped into a remote island uh that's been uninvestigated and you're going through to you know you've been paid to determine what it is or you know there's been a murder of the king and you are being hired to investigate so having that kind of hook as like you know giving them an idea of where they're being dropped in because you know that might affect their character decisions and things like the, the finalization of their character anyways. Oh yeah. I think adventure hook being established uh, during character creation is pretty, pretty key. Cause you know, you don't want to have a situation where you try to get things started and you're like, anyways, you're walking through a forest and it's like, my character hates trees. He'd never go outside. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of people like to leave it until session one where they're just like, okay, we've established who your characters are and why they're together. But now here's your adventure. I think having an idea of what the adventure is going to be so you can tie the players to that in some way uh, is huge. Like Especially if you can tie it to a character backstory is, is super important. What you really need to do is look at your either your players or your characters and find something that you know is going to like absolutely hook one of them at least so that you can have them fight for the party to be hooked into it. Yeah. And I like, mean, look at what the motivations of players, the motivations of characters are, and then uh, design your hook around that. Yeah, and some of those motivations might be just motivations that drive people in real life, right? Like fame, money, family bonds, curiosity, knowledge. Saving the world. Saving the world. 99% of D&D hooks are going to be fame, money, or saving the world. Yeah, And that's fine. That That's what they should be. Like, that's what D&D is about, right? Yeah, for sure. Uh, but knowing which one of those three to use is a huge thing, and it really depends on the characters and what they bring. And and the thing is that I don't think as an adventure hook you have to pick one because different different kind of things might appeal to different people, right? So <laughs> your hook could, you know, uh, I know that in in Lost Minds of Fandelver, part of the hook is that one of the characters is related to somebody who went missing, and <laughs> that's their kind of hook. Whereas other characters are like, oh, there's a lot of money involved in transporting goods, right? Yeah, for sure. And like with with Strahd, we uh, look at it because you are an established party of adventure because you're starting at level three. So you've already been the saviors of the city for a while and there's a new threat to the city. Who's going to deal with that threat? It's going to be you. 
right? Like you're the saviors yeah. of the city. It's it's your job to do this now. You've established yourselves as the people that do this. So now there's a problem. You got to go fix it, right? Yeah. And and having that discussion about your adventure hook can can affect a lot of your players' decisions as to not only classes but things like backgrounds and and stuff like that. So. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think, um, yeah, having an adventure hook that allows your players to like kind of fully explore what they've given you as a part of their backstory and what they're like, what they've given you as part of their personality mm-hmm. is definitely uh, an, an exciting thing to do. Yeah. So I think like during session zero, obviously everyone's kind of meeting each other and, you know, you, you have these the player introductions. There might be people at your session zero who have never met before. I think outside of just backstory, having players themselves talk to each other and talk to the DM is important because you can ask players if it's not a group of established friends and it is new people, like what part of the game they enjoy the most, right? Because as a DM, when you're designing these adventures, you're going to either be like RP heavy, you're going to be combat heavy, you might be like a solid mix of both. So knowing what your players want, what your players expect, and also what your players think their strengths in D&D are. Like if your players are expecting a lot of RP and want a lot of RP, you're going to design like a lower magic, lower, um, lower combat campaign. Whereas if your players are just there to kill goblins, then you're going to be more focused on the combat, less focused on the, on the RP. Right. So it all depends on what your players think their strengths are and what they want to get out of the game. And I think that's an important question to ask during session zero as well. Yeah, I think back to what Scott says as well, like, the big part of Session Zero is it gives everyone a chance to first, like, feel things out, get to know each other a little bit, uh, you know, kind of kind of set the tone for party dynamics. And, you know, have a chance to, you know, talk about this stuff before the game actually starts instead of like, hey, some of you are strangers, let's start playing a role-playing game. Having a chance to really talk both in and out of character and build this stuff together with the party uh, could really set up a good dynamic going forwards. Yeah, so so near the end of session zero, you know, session zero can last, you know, 30 minutes, 45 minutes, an hour. Um, but near the end of session zero, I think you're looking to have everyone meet each other. You're looking to have boundaries established. You're looking to kind of present your adventure hook. And then, you know, near towards the end of it, you're looking to have people with pretty much finalized characters, I'd say. Yeah, and I think that goes towards, like, setting expectations. Uh, like, personally, I try to do, like, a little bit of, like, the start of the adventure hook during the session zero uh, to try and, like, have everyone, like, get running with it and get, like, hype for the adventure. Like, a full start, maybe even just, like, a half an hour of, like, loose role play, like, introducing their PCs and stuff. Uh, yeah. Just, you know, get a feeling for it. Even just, like, they could even just, like, role play a small section of their backstory about, like, what set them off in the know the journey before the journey absolutely i love to end session zeros on a cliffhanger like i love to like establish boundaries get the party composition get characters like fully finalized get all your backstory stuff done give your adventure hook after you get like a brief kind of character intro and then uh as soon as your characters accept your adventure hook when something is about to happen that's like, all right, we're going to call for tonight and I'll see you guys all at the table like next Tuesday. And that's where this will begin, right? Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that's okay. I, I'm i kind of, I think it can go either way. I think if, as a DM, if you do want your session zero to kind of, you know, when everyone finishes introducing and they kind of have their characters finalized, which may or may not happen because some people might be indecisive and still figuring things out. 
Um, but, you know, if everyone does have their characters and you do have something prepared for Session Zero, uh, yeah, giving that blurb might be a nice nice hook and get people kind of rearing to go. I don't think it's, like, 100% necessary, though. I think oh, it, it's not necessary. Yeah. I just, that's, uh, you know, that's one thing. It's up to you as a DM if you feel that's a good start for it. I tend to, like, specifically tell my players it's going to be a long Session Zero because we're going to, like, get that stuff out of the way and then play just a little bit. Yeah, and your other option is to, like you know, just have your session zero. Let's say you're going to play every day Tuesday at 7.30. You do have the option of, you know, scheduling your session zero 6.30 so that you can kind of get stuff and have a little bit of time. You also have the option of like, hey, is everyone available Monday for session zero? And then we're going to start on Tuesday. And you also have the option of, okay, we're going to do session zero. Everyone kind of talks and gets to know each other, finalize their character. And then at the very end of that, we're just going to call it a night and we'll, we'll start next week. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's all up to the preference of players and of the DM. Um, I just love to do the cliffhanger because I think it builds suspense and really gets players wanting to be at the table for the first session. Yeah, for sure. Um, so in terms of character introductions, like, do you have your players introduce their characters to each other during this? Do they talk about their backstory? I mean, I, I know for me, generally with my characters as a player, I when I t- when I kind of make my backstory and things like that and some of your players might do this like my characters now have a few bullet points as a backstory and i kind of like to let my character develop as like part of the game um but do you have your characters kind of go through that stuff in session zero with each other or you know uh i think it really depends uh usually like at the very least i want everyone at the table to know like who everyone is what character they're playing and loosely what they are uh i feel like going into like backstory and stuff may not be especially you know if the character doesn't want to reveal their backstory right away i usually try to leave it up to the players because you know maybe you're gonna have like some like big twist in your arc that you're gonna like work through and you're not gonna be like oh yeah you know hey like you know my name is jeff and i'm a monk and uh my mother ran away at a young age and i'm trying to find her ever since that's gonna be my big arc i'm gonna find her it's just be like, uh, Jeff, I'm a monk and I like cheese. Yeah, it all depends on what you want to do, like, as a player. Like, I like to let my players decide. Like, I'll talk to them ahead of time and I might know more than the other players will know about what their characters are, what their uh, goals are, what their backstory looks like. I might know more about that than other players, but I definitely have at least, like, a brief introduction so that people know, like, who they are, what their name is probably what uh like race they present as at least and then like what they are saying their current goals are but that is basically it like i let players have kind of free reign as to what they want to disclose to the rest of the party and everything else just comes out as exposition during the campaign yeah i i agree with that i think for me like a lot of my characters generally have uh you know some kind of things in their backstory that i i like i'm not going to come to session zero session one and you know like chris said you know my my name is reveal the whole arc (laughs) yeah you're not gonna reveal everything yeah so you know if your character wants to say like if one of your players says like you know my name is kovacs just kovacs and that's it and that's all they want to say let them do that it's fun right totally and yeah you you learn more about those characters as the campaign goes on right i think another good part too is the you know the classic you know like who do they see as you kind of like uh this you know depending on what you're doing for session zero might not happen this might happen in the first session 
but if it comes down to you know like you usually ask them like what does your character look like you know they see this guy walking up to them what do they see yeah and some players might be really intricate here you know like i am five foot seven and a half I have blonde flowing hair. I have blood type AB sparkling. positive. Right? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. It really, co- I think, I think that comes down to how seasoned the players are. Cause like <laughs> you said, your first character had a five paragraph intro and your new character has a four bullet point <laughs> intro. So Kier- yeah. Kier- Aegis's backstory goes on and on. And Kieran's backstory is like female lycanthrope killed captors ran away. Like that is Kieran's backstory. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm I'm the exact same way. Like Greg uh has I could write a fucking novel about his backstory and about the struggle that his life was leading up to getting into the Black Shrek. Yeah. And with uh Kermy, that is my backup character for Chris's campaign, I can literally do a voice that I like, so that's a yeah. character now. And I mean, right? I mean like, fun, yeah. Sometimes you just have those like novels like in the back of your mind, but you know, only the key points come up. Like, you know, I, I play a, a bard of the College of Lore as a whole story about how many magical secrets he's learned. Yeah, yeah, totally a part of the College of Lore. But uh, yeah, I think in terms of a session zero, like this is kind of your opportunity as a DM to veto or nick stuff or, you know, watch your watch your players roll their stats in front of you. Look at their class and race selection. Like if you as a DM are only allowing classes or races from the player's handbook. You know, that's the time to say, oh, you pick this class and, um, you know, this class isn't available or this this race isn't available. And, you know, this is your chance as a DM to kind of give give that final once over and see if you're cool with everything that's going on. Yeah, actually, that is something we didn't really uh, discuss much, but also is, you know, uh, if you want to pare stuff down for character creation for uh, like setting specific uh, races, content, things like that. If you're like, no, like, there's this whole thing where, like, there's no Minotaurs in this whole land, mm-hmm. so you can't be one of those. Uh, that's another good thing uh, to establish as well. Yeah, or if you just don't like the races from Magic the Gathering being part of D&D, you can say that that's not a thing that exists in the world that you're currently in, right? Yeah, and we touched on that in the previous episode where we talked about, you know, like, what races will be allowed and what, what source materials will be allowed. I think for me, even though it's daunting as a DM, Maybe if you're a first-time DM and you're full of new players, maybe saying, you know, player's handbook only, that can be a really easy thing for everybody. Um, And it also limits, you know, the number of source books that you need to reference. But there's a lot of good stuff in in a lot of the official material. I think as a new DM, either going like PHB only, player's handbook only, um, or saying any official material. So anything that's been published. Uh, Once you start getting into UA, which is Unearthed Arcana, which is kind of like, uh, wizards like play test stuff and beta stuff you know things start to get a little a little funnier along those lines so. yeah definitely it's a little wonky when you get into ua uh, i would say if you are a first time dm you want to stick to like publish things only and maybe even like anything before tasha's because even php and xanathar's is really easily manageable yeah and and you also have the what you may find is players might come to to session zero with the home group homebrew class that they really like and, you know, you don't know if that's really balanced. Like, it could be somebody wrote that class and they, you know, this level one ranger does 10d10 attacks. And, you know, that's obviously not balanced. That's going to make other players feel lessened and weaker as, as a character. Um, so, you know, I think sticking to official material and kind of, you know, calling that out if someone does bring something UA and just being like, hey, this is UA and we're, we're, gonna, we're sticking to PHB or 
Yeah, and ultimately that's up to you as a DM. Like maybe you think it's cool. If they ask you to look it over, I mean, it's up to you if you want to just write stuff off. I am always extremely wary of any homebrew class because there's a 90% <laughs> chance there's something ridiculous with them. Something's for sure broken if somebody's homebrewed their own class because if it wasn't broken, it would probably already exist in some form. I don't know. I mean, I'm working on that subclass and I don't necessarily know that it's like super OP. So I, I wouldn't say discount all homebrew, but hey, if you're a DM and you want to allow homebrew and you have the and your player understands that, hey, during the course of the campaign, I might adjust some of your stuff because it's just ridiculous. Yeah. I think that's okay. If you want to take that up as a DM, I think that's perfectly fine. Yeah, that's up to you if you you know want to take it with a critical eye, read it over, think it through. And always, I would say, especially give yourself the back door to modify things if you just didn't realize that something could be applied incredibly maliciously. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, we talked about establishing boundaries, party composition, character creation, having your, your players create uh, backstories, uh, and maybe even having a backstory buddy. Uh, we talked about, you know, everyone introducing themselves and, and kind of getting to know each other, um, Adventure Hook, and, and kind of, you know, character finalization slash optional, you know, character introductions. Mm -hmm. What else is, like, does that cover Session Zero, or what else do you guys I'd say there'd be one other thing, uh, is going over if you're making any adjustments to the base rules of the game. Uh, there's a lot of rules that are optional that show up in source materials, especially in uh, Dungeon Master's Guide, Xanathar's, additional combat rules, uh, things like that. And it's important that your players know like which ones we're using. There's additional actions you can take. Are you going to use flanking? Uh, stuff like that. If you're using those, adding in anything of your own, I think it's really important that players are well aware of this before the game starts. Uh, you know, so they could you know prepare for it and just you know maybe familiarize themselves with the the rule set you're going to use yeah absolutely reiterating what house rules exist i personally love working with brutal criticals i think it adds a lot of like uh dynamic stuff to the game um as long as it's applied to both characters and uh enemies i think it needs to happen both ways but brutal criticals are a thing that make critical strikes feel a lot more meaningful so that's one house rule like i love playing with and I think making sure that your players know which ones are in effect and which ones aren't uh, is a, a huge thing for session zero so that those questions don't come up time and time again during your actual sessions and gameplay. So why don't you uh, go into what brutal criticals are? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, so as a new DM, some of that might be daunting, like house rules. What are, what are house rules? What are these kind of... And, and house rules are things that might vary table to table. It's just like one DM uses this rule and another might not. Um, and that's totally up to you. But as a new DM, if you're overwhelmed by the thought of that, just don't worry about it, right? If, if you're not sure which house rules or what kind of rules you'll be you'll be using, don't worry about it. Just let your players know, hey, I'm looking through source books still. And at some point I might decide to try out a house rule. And usually players don't care at that point. Um, and, you know, you can try a house rule and, and see how it works. I know for me, I like doing like, we talk about brutal criticals, which is rolling extra dice on a crit mm -hmm. or, you know, taking. Uh, taking the max damage for one of the die or, yes. or taking back damage for half of the die. Yeah. So your crits get a little more oomph. And I like that same rule kind of applied to potion personally. I think mm -hmm. like rolling a D4 on a potion, getting like healing for two or three with a potion is just ridiculous. So, I mean, as a new DM, if you're not sure which house rules you want to use, just let your players know, like at some point I might introduce some additional things we try out. 
And, you know, if you try something out and your players don't like it, then you can say, okay, we're going to drop that. So I don't think you have to have everything solid, but if you do know what house rules you're going to use, definitely bring those up and let people know about them. Yeah, absolutely. And there's like some stuff that's really cool that you can bring into Session Zero to talk about that you can either have your players confirm or veto. Like uh, I think we're we're using in one of the campaigns that I was playing in a new inspiration rule where essentially players every week start with inspiration. So the DM essentially lets players either have inspiration once a week or lets players give inspiration to other players once a week so that players can kind of reward their friends for doing cool shit. Because as a DM, you have so much to manage that it's hard to remember when to give people that inspiration. Yeah, and that's all stuff you can come to session zero with as a DM. Like, you know, these are these are particular rules that we'll be we'll be using. Um, and I think that's more more for experienced DMs. I think if you're a new DM, you don't have to delve too much into some of these some of these house rules. But uh, you know, some common ones. I, I think a very common rule would be kind of the flanking rule, and we can maybe talk about that in in some rule stuff. But if you look up flanking and you know advantage on attacks. Um, Flanking is a very common, if a character is surrounded by, you know, two other characters, um, giving them advantage on attacks, that's a pretty common, common. Yeah, for sure. And it encourages your players to work together in a way that they might not if they didn't have that kind of synergy between characters, right? Yeah. I, I think that and maybe Brutal Criticals is like two, two very common house rules. So if you are a new DM and you do like the thought of some of those, like you can definitely look into those and those are two common two common rules that don't make a lot of work for you as a dm which is nice yeah for sure for sure yeah we talked a little bit about you know boundaries composition backstory all these introductions and house rules etc and we touched a little bit on alignment but i just kind of want to go back there just for a tiny bit mm -hmm. i know personally as a dm i like tension between characters i think it can make for a fun setting there's a lot of tension between you know chris's character and i in your campaign and that was a really yeah. fun kind of thing for both of us i'm actually getting at that too with part of chris's character on me because of how <laughs> how fun and impactful that was for me so i think like having that tension between characters is fun and i think you can have that tension by having good aligned characters and then more neutral characters i think once you start to have kind of these evil characters like chris i think only allows like lawful evil yeah, I think like playing an evil character is something that's really best left to experienced players. So it doesn't just become one character in the party who's just actively sabotaging everything that's trying to happen. Yeah, because like yeah. It, it does take some nuance to play a character who has their own goals and agenda, but loosely they can still do the campaign without disrupting everything constantly because they're ooh they're so evil. Yeah, I, I personally as a DM like wouldn't allow unless I'm running an evil campaign like I would not allow any evil alignment. I just think it, it just you're putting people together and their goals are so different that there's going to be like not only problems in character but out of character players will be like why the hell did you do that. So I, I feel that can be like a little too much. Tension. Yeah, see, I, I actually like having the same idea as Chris, only lawful evil. Uh, anything outside of that, and it becomes too easy for them to just murder their party members for no reason. Yeah. Uh, but with lawful evil characters, you can have the same goals and just accept different ends to it, right? Like you can have a character that's lawful evil that abides by the laws of the land, but will stretch them and bend them to a point where characters that are like, 
chaotic good or chaotic neutral might not take things. So I think that you can have a lot of really cool moments and tension added to a campaign by characters that like know how to play lawful evil. But like Chris said, I think that's best left to players who are experienced enough with the game to know how to apply that alignment properly. Also, I was going to say, speaking of aliveness, I don't know if you guys remember this, but in my initial pitch for the campaign we all met in, I did specifically mention I only allow lawful evil. Mm-hmm. And also I made it, I had a little addendum that if you were going to play chaotic neutral, that you had to sign something saying that you understand that chaotic neutral does not mean sarcastic evil. <laughs> <laughs> I do remember that, actually, because I was thinking about playing a chaotic neutral character when I came into it. And I was like, mm, nah. <laughs> there's a lot of people it's like oh but he's chaotic he can do anything i'm like he's not evil though <laughs> yeah he's still bound by some morals yeah okay i mean i think that like that covers session zero right we've talked about kind of all those things that that might come up at a session zero um and yeah i think we've definitely talked about how to establish the boundaries for your players and for your game uh, the composition of your party and your character creation. Uh, we went through character creation rules in the previous session. This session was more around making sure that you had all of your characters fully created by the end of your session zero. Uh, your backstory and your backstory buddy or your like bonds between characters is important. We went through your adventure hooks and how to introduce them. Player and character introductions. So I think the last thing left is really to dig into your first session, right? Yeah, I think so. At this point, I think, you know, at the end of session zero, you can do, you know, session 0.5, I guess, which is like that little intro. So, you know, getting everyone at the table and, you know, your characters ride into town and you're you're coming over a hillside and the sun's setting and you get into town. And, and as you, you know, approach the guards, uh, one of them looks at you and goes, uh, well, you're finally here. Go see the y'all and end it there. Right. Like yeah. something like that, just to kind of get your characters into it. Yeah, for sure. And then I think in the next session, we'll talk about what to know as a DM going into the first session of your campaign, which is super important. So we'll go through prepping for the first session, uh, what you need to prep versus what you need to like be prepared to improv, how you start your campaign, which will be a little bit more on the adventure hook side of things, running the game, and then how you know when is the right time to end a session. And as always, I'm Mike. And if you need to slide into a DM's DM's, you can DM us on Insta, Twitter, Facebook at DMs Discuss, or hit us up via email at dmsdiscuss at gmail.com. And I'm Chris, and cast RKNI on the subscribe button, your favorite podcatcher app, to be notified of new episodes. And I'm Scott. Hope you enjoyed this episode. And as always, check the show notes for links and other fun stuff. We'll catch you after a long rest.